Miss Fools, take a break. You're creating a distasteful atmosphere for my audience, who are captivated by my fabulous tales. Maleficent's voice. Oh, do I wish for the days where the consumption of food is more sophisticated, like the world we observe from another time? Hmm. I believe we just found our dragon. I shall slash the dimensional window to our scrumptious duo, whose debate shall be food of the future in the world of Ramble Shamble. Hello, all glorious listeners. My name is Mackie, the scientist of the this Ramble Shamble of a podcast, and I am joined together, joined for our little chat with a person who's from the past called Jotun. Say hi, Jotun. Hi. See, he doesn't even listen to when I say it when he's meant to say hi, Jotun. But yeah, this is just our little podcast that we hope that you guys enjoyed the previous one so far. If you guys have, were not didn't listen to the end, this, the difference between our podcast to others is we want your interactions. We want you to be part of our podcast. By how to do that, you need to leave comments uh, on our YouTube videos when these come to YouTube. Uh, join our Discord and chat to us directly, or Twitters or other social medias, and you decide who was the better person in our discussion of the previous podcast episodes. And we will also take in anything that you guys recommend and maybe make a podcast on those. So please join our social medias and we hope to chat with you there and you don't just have to listen to us. But I think that's kind of covered the sunning of this. Jotun, how are you doing today? I'm doing quite well, actually. I had my frustrations, of course, (laughs) but one has to look on the bright side. Well, yeah, my frustration is that it's too cold where I live right now. Uh, it's been hot for the whole week, which I've been loving. And all of a sudden today I decided, you know, let's just be very cold. So the first time since I've been in my new place of residence, the doors are closed. The windows are closed. And I was just me in a room. It's been cool over here as well. The the, the t- I've got tiles on my floor. So when it gets colder, it's the type of cold where it like, creeps up your leg like in your bones which is for me the worst you know you, you get the mist kind of cold that that's a superficial kind of feeling on your skin but up the bones cold yeah i've also heard that like cold would also affect your dreams now i have to say it's been affecting my dreams quite a bit lately like you when you when you're cold i've read somewhere else sorry guys it's a little bit off topic that your dreams are influenced by how the body temperature of you. If you're warm, you generally don't have a dream. And when you're cold, you generally have nightmares. Has that happened to you? Because it's definitely happened to me. That sounds like grade A pseudoscience to me. <laughs> especially, especially, especially when you think about the fact that lowering your body temperature is meant to help you sleep. And lots of people find it much easier to sleep when they are inside a lower than room temperature room. So it seems to me like if cold did make people have a lot more nightmares, then everybody would have, be having nightmares everywhere, or at least most people. Um, yeah. So I don't, I don't think that I haven't experienced it that much myself. Then again, I don't really. That, that, wait, wait, wait. That can actually prove your point if you, if I think about it because I like to sleep really warm. I have like six blanket six blankets including my duvet on my bed. Uh just because I, I I really like the heat. And so I don't really think <laughs> well that's why I could prove your theory. Because I'm sleeping really warm and I don't really get nightmares. So touche, touche, I guess. So two things then. The audience votes enough. Uh, Jotun will sleep cold for one night to prove my theory. But to roll off on that, what do you think like cryogenesis, cryogenesis sleeping? Do you think they like just like have the worst nightmare of their lives and wake up like in a hot sweat when they're finally defrosted? <laughs> Cryogenic sleeping. Yeah. So where you go into like the fridge 
like, in like like cartoons or that no, kind of no, stuff. I understand. What, uh, I might mispronounce that. What okay. You mean. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Cryogenesis would be like birth from a cold thing. <laughs> Cryogenic is where you're talking about sleeping in a cold thing. But yeah. Do you think it would give you the most intense nightmare ever? Is that what you're <laughs> yeah, because you're so you, you, your body is literally frozen, and uh, you'd like defrosted yourself. So I feel like it's probably like the worst wake up call ever. Besides being like drained of all chemicals and everything. So I know. Uh, uh, I think I think that personally, for me, it would be a bit of a nightmare. <laughs> just that entire process. Hey, yo, people, you imagine. don't understand. I despise the cold like you wouldn't imagine so for me it's a it would be a personal hell for me if i woke up shivering and jittering and barely being able to move like my whole entire body would have to thaw before i can do anything like that would truly be a personal hell so i would be experiencing a life i mean a nightmare yeah. Would I have nightmares? Don't okay. Know. If 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 we take that premise as true, that people would have nightmares from from sleeping in the cold, there are two arguments that can be made. First is that yes, because you're being cryogenically the the state in which you were out, like passed out, was cryogenic freezing, which I I assume is basically being frozen to absolute zero because you need to stop the body's aging process. So that's like all cellular function that needs to stop. Because otherwise, what's the point of cryogenic freezing if you can't even like travel through space without aging? But I would I would make the argument that no, because your body needs to still be in the process of like respiring and aging and all that in order to actually dream because there's still chemical firings happening in your brain and your eyes move especially especially with rapid eye movement you can't you can't be frozen and have that so i would say actually no you wouldn't have nightmares because you can't dream without rapid eye movement no, I guess that's true, but uh, those cryogenic uh, or the people that freeze over time, they do it in space travel mainly because of the fact that you would need less food to consume, so you will be able to do long-distance travel. But they can't kind of freeze you completely because then eventually they will kill you. It's about the state of being like you, you bring your organs into kind of preserve mode, and eventually you, your body would deteriorate because it would be need, still need to consume something. That's why in a lot of those movies, they, they nail quite wa- right is that those people have to kind of eat quite a bit and drink a lot of fluids as well as do some, a lot of cardio and a lot of exercise to gain their muscle back. But they, yeah, it's, it's something that we, a little bit too off the topic. We spent too much on this topic. Uh, let's go to the topic in hand for this episode. Yes. Everybody, if you want us to, if you want us to talk about more in depth about what we think cryogenic freezing would entail. Please tell us in the comments because I have so much to say about that. Could be a future podcast episode. Yeah, but yeah, this episode, let me go back onto track, is all about food. You like food, hey, Goten? I love food. Anybody that knows you and me, but mostly <laughs> me, will be able to say that any buffet must be where <laughs> if I'm inside. If I'm inside that place, if, because I will get my money's worth. Yeah, I'm also kind of there, but like, yo, Jotun can put it down. And I'm very proud and happy when I see this guy, seeing the waiters like saying, oh, look at this guy. He can't eat that much. And then seeing their face going like, okay, can this guy kind of stop? He's ordering too many portions. <laughs> We're supposed to make money out of this good exchange. <laughs> no, um, but... But the the topic of food is not just about how much we can scoff down at buffets. Uh, the topic of today is the future of foods. So we won't talk about food crisis as much, but I want to know basically how food has evolved and where do you think food is going to become in the future? Because I've heard a lot of stories. Uh, I'm sure you've heard a lot of stories. And 
the most common story that comes to my mind that I actually would like your point of view on it before we kind of go into where we think it is. Do you think food would ever eventually become a pull? Like you see in the Jetsons where they would like uh, push a button and a food pedal will drop down and then it would swallow it down and they've had their meal for the breakfast, lunch and dinner. Two things I want from you. A, would you would you like that kind of thing where you just like swallow it and it's done? And B, do you think it's actually feasible coming from a human structures of everything we need to do in our normal chewing habits and everything? Because I don't think it will work. Yeah. I agree on that point. I don't think it'll come to the point where we take a pill or even add a bit of powder or something to a glass of water or anything like that. And that's for two reasons. The first reason is from my archaeological and, I guess, anthropological background, where I can 100% tell you that the consumption of food is inextricably intertwined with human culture. So as far as I can tell, if there is human culture, then there will be practices and rituals surrounding food and food prep and food consumption. And there's, there is there is a ritual that goes into everyday food. And the experience of consuming food is we, we just enjoy it too much. I mean, one of the things that I always tell people around me is that when they talk about an amazing taste, they're not actually doing justice to like the food or anything like that. What they actually mean is that it's got a, an amazing flavor because taste is it is kind of a lower level than flavor because flavor comes from the combination of smell and taste. So if if you are to block your nose with a pig or something and you eat your favorite food, I can 100% guarantee that some essential parts of that experience will disappear. No, 100%. And so you need the combination of smell and taste in order to get the flavor. But the the second reason why it's kind of linked to the first but the second reason why i don't think it will ever be like that is because humans are animals and to put it simply we just enjoy food too much we would never be able to give it up i mean who who hasn't tried to die uh try a diet once in their life it it often doesn't work or you end up making some kind of compromise in some way because you just love food so much. Either that or you feel so deprived. And it's so it would basically be like saying human beings can now, sorry, this is an analogy, but human beings can now be made inside a petri dish or, or a test tube. So humans will eventually stop having sex. I would say, no, 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 no. That makes no sense. That is totally untrue because people enjoy it way too much. It'll never happen. And I would make the exact same argument for food. People just enjoy the process of food too much and the flavor and all of that. We'd never be able to give it up. Even if you had a taste explosion with the pill. There's the whole thing of starting up your metabolism with chewing and then the mouthfeel. Without mouthfeel, again, like... There's some essential quality of food and the eating experience that would be lost. The whole entire reason why people are so resistant to um, vegan foods, for example, a lot of the time, like, I can't believe it's sausage or something like that. This is just... We'll, we'll, weird, we'll get to that. Name. We'll get to that. But imagine that, imagine that with capital letters. The whole reason why people don't, or a lot of people can't really buy into that is because there isn't the texture and the mouthfeel that meat gives you when you're taking that in. And so they can't accept it. That's my my case, for example, as well. So yeah, long story short, I don't think we'll ever get to a pill. Yeah, look, I agree with you pretty much on every single point there. Uh, some points we'll probably go into more depth in this episode. But th that's the interesting thing, hey? Because eating food... You you who loves eating food, I also love to eat food, but I'm also quite a gourmet 
chef. I even have this one book that has like graphs and charts of different pheromones. Yeah, command. Command. <laughs> um, yeah. But it has like different graphs of the enzymes, chemicals, and flavors that comes to it and even tells you how you perceive flavor and taste. And some people don't quite enjoy that experience, eh? Um, because some of them just want the food so they can move on to the next step of the more exciting stages of their life. But for food lovers or even people who just enjoy eating, it's, it's something that's like the, like you said, it's the journey, it's the experience, it's the feel, it's the taste, it's the textures, it's the smells. It's all your senses kind of putting you through an entire journey. And that's what I love when I cook is that I can paint this picture that I'm going to treat my friends or my family to this delicious journey. But I also have this little, uh, seven benefits of chewing your food, which I think a pull would kind of cause detriment to human society. And a lot of it is, your chewing your food is is better for your digestion. It's good for your teeth, and it also helps make sure your your jaw stays relatively strong. Because I'm sure you've also had it where you just felt like something crunchy, like something like soup is awesome because you get a lot more nutrients from it. But now and again, you want something to like sink your teeth in. So I feel like if you have a pull, you just lose all those like benefits and strengths that eventually. <laughs> we'll lose our teeth in some way. Would evolution point you in point in that kind of direction? What do you think? Uh, so I, I've I've actually done a fair bit of my a, a fair amount of research into this, at, but just for my own personal reasons and like aesthetic reasons. Basically, I, I want to look pretty. So, archaeologically speaking, there has actually been research done on pre pre-colonized societies where they found that because those people's diets consisted of very rough fibrous foods it actually basically gave them perfectly straight teeth and as you were saying powerful jaws so they were all pretty attractive in that regard and because their foods weren't consisted of didn't consist of high amounts of sugar and processed junk inside of it. Their teeth also looked a lot cleaner and they had a lot less tooth decay. But alongside that, there there was one downside and that's that their teeth were pretty much ground down. And that's just because the foods that they were eating were very tough and fibrous again. But that aside... Their teeth were perfectly straight without having any kind of dentistry in their lives. And they had very strong jaw, like a powerful jawline as well. So what I'm getting at over here is if that did happen, I think people would basically look like, let's say in 10,000 years time, after there's been enough time for evolution, they would basically look like aliens with skin. Skew teeth. Skew teeth and yeah, rounded aliens, jaws. Aliens with skew teeth. And round jaws. Not, not rounded jaws, like like teardrop jaws. Yeah, teardrop, yeah. Like a stereotypical alien. Mm. So it'd be like a jaw with a fine point, mm-hmm. and all of their front teeth would be skewed up. <laughs> Probably skewed. Uh, well, okay, not skewed up, but the, all of their front teeth would be like cramped together, even if it was straight. Because that's... Let's not kid ourselves. Future alien or future humans, ten thousand years from now, are also going to have braces and dentistry. Big so time. even though they have cramped teeth, they will at least have straight cramped teeth. <laughs> okay. Yeah. Okay. So th- let's get to our discussion or debate that our listeners need to vote who who believes is the better argument in this one. So future of food. Let's say timeline. Let's say another. 20 years from now, or who cares for a timeline? Distant future. Do you want to go first, or what do you think food is going to be like, or how we consume it, or what do you think it's going to be? Or would you like me to go first? I think I'll go first. Okay. Just because I feel like you've had a bit more time to think about this. Oh, sure. And if I listen to your (laughs) arguments, then it's all like him and my arguments, and then it'll 
lead me in your direction instead of going my well, own direction. Obviously, because I'm the better one here. I'm probably winning all the debates <laughs> right now. <laughs> okay. Maybe. 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 One, one can dream. So I basically think that there are different directions in which future foods could take. And when I say future foods, I mean capital F's for future foods. All I'm saying is that you must keep it within the episode. <laughs> well, keep it within a time frame yeah. so I can also give my side of the story, okay? It's a two-way debate, yeah. Okay. I understand. So each of these different div- diversion pathways will need a bit of establishment in terms of the culture and the changes that would lead to it. But I think that I can substantiate them very well. And I'll make them brief. Go for it. So the, they are just off the top of my head, there are four different ways in which future foods can go. The first one is synthetic chemicals. This, and when I'm, when I say this, people, I mean all out, like people just decided to go hard or go home in these directions. The second is all organic. The third is lab manufactured in order to maximize on macronutrients. And the fourth is just from a Western perspective, eating weirder and weirder things because we made some new discovery that showed something like insect, some insect's legs from Cambodia or something has like a hundred percent protein and we can harvest all of their legs instead of eating normal protein. Because it, it gives you such little calories, but so much protein that we've decided to make farms and things. Okay, that sounds a bit weird, but I'll, I'll explain. The first one, with synthetic chemicals, we're already seeing with a lot of the food that we eat nowadays that we can manufacture flavors and different compounds in a lab that that can achieve desired effects. Things like all the e-chemicals on the back of or inside an ingredient list on the food stuff or emulsifiers and, you know, such things just to help the food keep and all of that. And so one way that we could go is to basically make the majority of our food inside of factories where we can synthesize the perf what we view as the perfect food and do away with all of the climate change impacts and all of that whatever the reason regardless of what the reason is for us wanting to make this synthetically it'll probably be something to do with reducing waste or reducing the amount of farmland in order to let people settle there instead. For some reason, we could have synthetic chemicals be the basis of our food. And so society would basically select for that. There'd be social pressure from climate scientists and social upheaval, whatever. Basically, synthetic chemicals or synthetically created foods is one way, one way it can go. But uh, sorry to interrupt you. So I know, I know there's all these different ways, but do you think which of these like different ways do you think is the most probable way of the future? So you say it can go there, but do you think it? Do you believe it's going to be the way? I I I won't be able to tell. I can't tell you that that far ahead. At the moment, they're all. Yeah, unfortunately, we won't be able to go into every single one of those points because again, our pot our. Talk show is only, or podcast is only, uh, restricted to 40 minutes. So. Okay, I'll, I'll, I'll choose one at the end just to make you happy. Please, that'd be good. Thank you. Okay. Continue. Um, <laughs> the second, the, <laughs> the second pathway is that we go all organic. And that would be, that would probably be because of, Again, mass production of food becoming a problem or people not feeling safe anymore with chemicals. Uh, because when, when humans are coddled too much in terms of the things that they're exposed to, 
our bodies become vulnerable because they haven't been tested enough. Kind of like how there's a huge problem with allergies nowadays because everybody's brought in such brought up in such a safe and sterilized environment a lot of the time that they their bodies aren't exposed to something that could lead to an allergy of some kind just because at the stage of development that they were going through they weren't exposed to that and so their body never had to deal with with that problem and so if people were if it came to a stage where people thought everything is too sterile it's causing all these health problems we need to go completely organic I think that could be one possibility. The third possibility is that we just manufacture everything in the lab and we select for macronutrients as we do so. So then we're we're growing meat inside of petri dishes, which they are doing nowadays already, at least at a experimental level that hasn't been done to scale. But the problem with that is that it's extremely difficult to get the right mouthfeel. But I, I think they have replicated most of the flavors of meat. But it's difficult to get the mouthfeel because there are striations and muscles that are that basically everyone. What I'm saying is, when we talk about cutting with or against the grain, uh, when we're referring to meat. That's that's because of these muscle fibers. And without an actual animal moving and doing locomotion, there is no purpose behind those or for those fibers to to form because they're not attaching to any bone or anything like that. So if you if if you successfully manufacture meat inside of a, like a big tub, then it just forms perfectly even inside that tub. And so when you eat it, it feels like you're eating something that's as hard and chewy as meat, but there's some quality in your mouth that isn't right. And I think it might get to like an uncanny valley feeling where you you know you should be enjoying this because it's meat, but it's not entirely like meat. So it makes you feel a bit uncomfortable. But you see, there, I think there, <laughs> there, I feel like you're playing on a very bit of a bias. There, have you had one of their uh, naturally, or not naturally, uh, scientifically produced meats before? No, but I know that that is the big problem. Well, of why they haven't done this to scale. No, also to scale. The well, what I've heard at least is the biggest reason why they haven't started manufacturing. Is uh, it's quite costly at the moment, hey? Eh? Um, they're trying to find they they are developing new ways to kind of bring the price of production a lot lower, but it's not necessarily the texture that they're complaining about, hey? Eh? Um, they say the flavor and everything else tastes it's very tender and juicy, like people keep cra- uh, raving about about how the hamburger is like tastes like a normal hamburger, just that the price of the meat is unattainable to the common folk. It's like Almond milk. Almond milk apparently is super healthy for you, but the process of making it is a lot more. Uh, it's not as easily obtained. That it, t- it takes a lot more almonds to juice to make almond milk to uh, then compare to say milking a cow and then just uh, treating the milk. You get a larger quantity from that rather than from the almonds that you have to process and or you have to grow. Then you have to juice them, put them in water, a whole number of things. Texture wise, like a Burger is mince. Uh, the meat is minced, so that's what I think. That's why they kind of structured it that, to that way, is that you would ha- you would have like manufactured fish fingers. I've seen that lately, and funny enough, it looks like fish fingers. Probably tastes like fish fingers because people, the people that I've seen actually eat it, they say, "Oh, it's flaky like fish." I would say it's fish, but the price is like almost triple the price of normal fish fingers. Yeah, but they're also making those kinds of things because those kinds of things are already processed foods. Yeah, I guess so. But if you, 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 you I don't think you'd be able to have like a porterhouse steak. <laughs> no, hundred percent not. That 
be convinced by this soy growth <laughs> or something. No, but or even 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 actual muscle muscle tissue. Yeah, that that's how they would make it. The that's how they would make it. Because it it doesn't have the fibers from the food, so the mouthfeel would be off. It would probably taste amazing. They can. I mean, oh, it would be artificial. Imagine tests. what they can do. No, but I feel like it would be so artificial, and I feel like you won't get all those natural nutrients that you would normally get from like a cow that was grass or grain fed. You, they can put like certain flavors in. They probably will make a, t- a steak taste like chocolate. And like, oh, this tastes amazing. So it's like it's not a steak. You probably won't get nearly as much of the vitamins as you would normally get from if it was actually a cow uh, eating grain or being. F- like some cows get uh, given beer because they, then their steak tastes even better. <laughs> Just drunk cows. They are actually drunk. Look it up. It's fine. I, I, I think you could. You'd, you'd basically just have to take enzymes and bacteria from the stomach of a cow and feed those grass or like micro like the molecules of grass so that they can then produce the byproducts that impart the quality in the meat that you're saying would not be there well but it would it's how the the digestion goes like if the grass is digested in a certain way it's not just like they get some grass and say these are the things i definitely think they would get the flavors right but i don't think the nutrients would be quite i agree with you probably the nutrients will get close but I don't think it'd be quite right as the natural thing that we currently have today. I, I think there would be. For me, in, in my mind, I see metabolism as a chemical process, which is brought about as a result of the bacteria inside of a cow's stomach. For example, a cow. So I think, the, okay, I'll give you this. The difficult thing would be getting the protein molecules that are developing into the muscle to play ball and play nice with the bacteria that's meant to impart those other little nutrients. Yeah. Because there there would be just like emergent interactions happening between those two. (laughs) Because you don't have muscles inside of your stomach. No, you don't. And you don't have stomach acid inside of your muscles so who knows what's going to happen if we try to do that that's true maybe maybe some future scientists can look into that but yeah i don't i don't think that that's feasible okay so go to anyway so the (laughs) third topic that was that was number three oh that was number three lab lab manufactured macronutrients okay and then number um four. so that's what actually go for carbs and veggies and stuff as well so basically it would be gmo foods but done very clinically inside of a lab and growing it basically from a petri dish instead of needing the whole process of sunlight and photosynthesis and all of that it would basically be like zapping uh, <laughs> catalyst know what you mean. inside of a test tube and then getting not a potato, but just like potato flesh in the shape <laughs> of that peachy dish <laughs> or that bowl. Yeah, yeah. Exactly. <laughs> so it would be or, – or like microwave. Yeah. So you've, you've got a little – you've got their little catalyst packet – They open it up, they pop it in the microwave, and then just the radiation will just like hum away, like and then after five (laughs) minutes, there'd be a bowl or a bowl-shaped thing of potato flesh. (laughs) That would be so cool. Okay. Yeah, so that's number three. And then the last one is eating weirder and weirder things for a Western sensibility in pursuit of pure macro pure macros um i think that example that i came off with the top of my head with a little bit earlier is actually perfect you know what if some backyard scientist in cambodia just happened to analyze in a nutrient analyzer or whatever this is a bit sci-fi like i don't think i don't know how people analyze nutrients inside of foods but 
Like it's it's not like a, those blood. You know how they test blood? Yeah. Like that little spinning spinning. No, they they would not. They, they would not use a centrifuge. Yeah, just like put in a centrifugal little test tube of this bug leg on side of inside of there and know the protein content. But let's say it was. Let's say it was. This is my dream. This is my fantasy. I, I'm establishing that as a fact that exists. So they put in this test tube of bug legs inside of the centrifugal analyzer, and it tells them that this is actually 98% protein, and it's very low in calories, and the other 2% is just the, the carapace of the insect, which can easily be f- filtered out um, and processed. And People are like, oh my gosh, this is so amazing because the, this bug is actually a problem in Cambodia because it's there's like an inf- infestation or the likelihood that it can make an infestation is huge. And so scientists are just like, hmm, you know what? Or you know what? This is such serendipity. We are just going to solve this infestation crisis by deliberately making more infestations, harvesting all of these bug legs, and using that as uh, food stuff. Yeah, but I'm I'm saying that for all sorts of things. So then they they find lipids and fats that are you know also have these weird ways that they were discovered, and then people found out ways to harvest those on a mass scale as well. I think it could it could go that way. Okay, then out of the four, what do you think is the most likely one? Which one do you do you say is your one, your specific one, the food of the future? I actually think the last one, the fourth one. So they would find the holy grail of all foods. They would end all foods. Yeah, or or they'll find some way of marketing it as a pharmaceutical, like a drug. <laughs> I mean, there there's something called a uh, Macuna prurines bean that ha- is something like 90% aldopa which is the chemical precursor to dopamine and so people literally harvest those beans to put inside of pills so that people with i think chemical depression and parkinsons and stuff like that but even for normal people like you and I, if we if we want to take it as a supplement, we actually can. And so I think a lot of food will eventually go that way, but as a supplement, not as a pill, something to replace food. Yeah. Yeah. Okay. Okay. Um. Yeah. No. I I will say finding the one food to rule all foods, not a feasible idea. Like I. I Ideally, like I said, like like you said before, like a fantasy-wise, I do see it as being like a holy grail of all foods. However, I don't think that would be sustainable as a way. Because say you've got an infestation, the ideal case. That infestation needs to eat a whole bunch of food to obviously grow and repopulate. Now, assuming this, the maturity of where it goes from a larva to actually mature bug so we're using the bug as an example here that takes quite a bit of it's generally run about like i say a two-week thing so you probably will get quite a bit of quantity wise now obviously this would be a certain climate and certain conditions where the bugs would thrive so hot days probably a hot climate maybe in uh india or somewhere somewhere that but it has to be a bit of nutrition or vegetation that it's able to eat now obviously you also need to control it because now if this thing goes crazy in haywire and assume this infestation eats crops and any kind of plant life it will be killer to the ecosystem because now no matter how much you can control it, it there will be a point where it would overrun because now you you promoting this growth obviously you cut it in when needed to however i have a concern that your one food to rule them all runs short in terms of sustainability like it wouldn't be like a it would be a cool thing to do for five years but at a certain point we would have to say 
we have to kill this thing because it's killing too much of the planet Earth. But is it less energy intensive and does it produce less waste than getting beef, for example? That's the question. The question is, is the amount of protein that you get out of this thing not necessarily perfectly sustainable, but more sustainable and less environmentally detrimental than the existing alternatives? Well, you see... That's the question. I think that's I think that's a good point to leave your topic off because I want to give my my side of the story before we move on. I think that's a that's the question that the listeners need to answer and then see if they more to your side or believe my critique is something to mention. But yeah, long long story short, my f- future for foods is definitely going to be I think a a mass reduction in meat eating. Why I say that is I don't I don't think it's manufacturing. Manufacturing is a bit of a a weird one for me. I don't think it's I think it's gonna be something, but it's gonna be a, a combination of your four aspects or areas that you mentioned before. However, I'm sure Americans might just hate me for saying this, but I think we like you said before, very Americanized our food way of eating food. We eat way too much meat than we should. You probably hate me for saying that because you love your meat. Um but I think we don't need to eat as much as you as we need to. We become in a kind of a tradition where our mind thinks that every meal needs to have a veg, maybe a, another like starch as well as a meat. But I know back in the past that was something there. But you can have meals where it's just based veg or just based salads and still get the full that we need to. So I think the the future of food is going to see a little bit of a reduction in meat, but not as much as like we're not going to eat meat anymore. I think it's going to be like a balance between the two, which I think is what by balance. I mean, one side is not eating meat, but then the other side is also eating meat is because if we stop eating meat altogether, the detrimental side effects to the planet Earth would be catastrophic. Uh, why I say that is because cows chicken, sheep, all, all the livestock that's currently in place don't just disappear. They, they still need to be maturely grown and what do you do with them? Do you cull a whole herd of sheep and cows? And the same thing can be said to the other side is that if we focus just on farming, we will, the soil can't keep up consistently. We will eventually use up all the nutrients in the soil. Then the soil needs time to re- recuperate, recharge itself to produce the next uh, field of whatever vegetables that you might want. So I think the future, and this is what maybe you see uh, critiques in it, is going to be a reduction in meat eating, uh, increase or maybe uh, the same level of vegetable eating, probably an increase because I think more people need to understand that vegetables are quite verse in what you can do with them. And like you said before, an increase in insect eating. I think we're going to eat a lot more insects in our future. I think there's going to be, to replace the amount of protein we've been eating, I think there's going to be a massive increase in insect eating. What do you say? Do you, do you, what do you think of my future of food? I think that it would take a lot of getting used to, to, to move to a predominantly insect eating diet for protein. Again, it's because of the entire history and mouthfeel of meat-eating. But I don't see I don't see that happening. Are you, and are you sure about it's that? Because I think, because it's, yeah, it's already I think started. it's contentious as to... No, it's started I think already. it's contentious as to whether, whether the meat industry is really as bad as people make it out to be i'm 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 on the side of meat just putting out my my bias over here but i don't think it's nearly as detrimental towards the environment and life to to have basically the scale of um the not domesticated animal husbandry that we have now because 
with normal vegetable production and all of that, there is a huge scale of animal life that is basically recklessly murdered because there are all these little field mice and other rodents and small animals that are inside all of the fields when a crop harvester comes through and just cuts and mows everything down. And so there is a, a huge amount of animal life that is lost in that whole process as well. But, you know, that's, that's, that's something that the listeners can, will have to make up their own minds about as well. Because you find documentaries and explanations and experts on both sides of the spectrum over there. But again, I think it's simply a thing of people love what they love. And I don't think that we'll be willing to give up meat. Then again, I, I've never tra- I've never tried insects myself, but they're crunchy. I can imagine that they are. No, they're not crunchy. The, the, if you dry okay, them, I most of the time you get them as dried. Yeah, no, I understand. Um, I do think that they are crunchy. Sorry, this isn't what I was getting at. I think they're crunchy, but because they're still inside of the shell. Yeah. But I don't think a lot of people would want to eat the shell as well. So we'd find some way... <laughs> no ways you can remove the fluids. We would find... I know, I know. We would find some way to, like, cook them at scale so that the fluids on the inside of the bugs become solidified. And then basically yeah. cracking the insects like nuts <laughs> and extracting that. That's... I think people would go for that before they would be willing to eat all of the carapace and chitin of the bugs. Or the way that it would go is that people, we would selectively domesticate bugs to be bigger. So... Basically, humans would eat insects like we eat shellfish now. And the other way is that we would just eat a ton of maggots and wormy kind of things because they don't really have shells. <laughs> so I think the shells is not the issue, uh, the exoskeletons. Um, the reason why I say meat is going to go down, it's not by choice. I don't think humanity is going to make the decision to say, yeah, I'm, I'm over meat, I'm going to go to insects. By the statistics of how the population is continuously growing, you know there's a lot. Of, I'm sure you're aware, but there's many countries that have very a lot of difficulties actually getting meat as something they can eat. Uh, Japan, they have slithers of meat. Where if you come to South Africa or America, they have over quantities of meat. Now, I think as the population grows. Meat is going to get too expensive for the common folk. That's why I think bugs are going to become the next big thing. And that's that's one of the biggest scares of the world. I think that's why I have a belief is that I don't think it's going to be a choice where people are going to make a decision to mindfully say, I'm not going to have meat anymore. I think it's going to be meat's going to be more of a special food, like a food that you can have, but you'll do it on a more like a treat. Like some people will have like a cheat day. That will be like their day. They will have like maybe three, three, three days of the week where they won't have meats, like actual, like from a cow or chicken, whatever animal. And then four days of the week, they would have to have like other insects or other forms of protein to kind of keep them going for the rest of the week. That's my, that's how I see it because inflation is always a thing. And unfortunately, with our population, that's always going to continuously grow. Agriculture can grow but not as quickly as, as the human race. And that's why I think the way that we consume meat at the moment is probably too high as it is. And it's just going to come down. So that's why I say vegetables are going to be relatively stable. Meat is going to come down to just underneath the vegetable eat marker. And insects are going to go up because I think people are going to find other ways of getting their protein and uh, companies will just see, like you say, grow the grow the insects maybe 
uh, have forms and then just a way of gathering up and then they'll have a certain way of cooking them up and we'll just eventually start eating it and we'll see this like maybe in 20 years time from my uh, future talk here we'll see like oh yo remember how we said ugh insect with shells or insect with exoskeletons man I can't imagine having the gooey center of the other one you mentioned that's something that could happen I, I, I disagree because you're taking that is assuming that the production of the entire meat industry is in a vacuum. But there are so many byproducts that come from animal husbandry that people won't want to be without either. Things like glue and gelatin. No, I'm not saying I, I'm not saying that would I, go I, away. I don't I don't I I don't I don't know this, but I mean, I don't know this for a fact, but I feel reasonably certain that some ingredient inside of something like, again, everybody, this isn't the actual name, but I can't believe it's not sausage. I, I feel reasonably certain in saying that a chemical inside of, or an ingredient inside of, I can't believe it's not sausage, would be something like gelatin in order to hold it together in the right way. And uh, there's like the leather industry and tallow and yogurt and dairy and all of that stuff that you can't separate from animal husbandry either. And so then you get to the point where what, what do you do with the carcass of a cow after it dies? And it can no longer produce the milk. That's more. That's arguably more of a waste not to use the meat then from that cow. No, but you see, that's where you're misunderstanding what I'm saying. I'm not saying that we're not using those things or reducing the quantity. I'm just saying that the way the quantity of meat that we're currently producing now is not going to be able to keep up. That we're going to have a scale of 10 to 1 to meat because meat would... Uh, yes, we can make more slaughterhouses, but then a lot of there's a lot of morale reasons. To the point where you're saying about the fact about this leftover stuff. I'm not saying about that stuff. They still use that stuff and make leather and gelatin and all kinds of things. I'm saying keep going ahead with that. But I think the the the, the common man who can now buy uh, chuck and that kind of stuff from a normal steakhouse is going to be instead of say X amount of monies. It's now going to be ten times X amounts of monies because now it's going to be a little bit more harder to come by. Understand? I I don't think so. Yeah, I understand what you're getting at, but I I don't believe it'll go that way because one of the a, a big fact that it's that is omitted by a lot of the people that make the argument of normal crop farming being more sustainable and less energy intensive in terms of the area needed and the water needed as well as the land or well, I guess that is water uh, area needed that those are less energy intensive with making plants and plant-based foods don't take into account the fact that people want the most amount of food that we can have. And there is a limited amount of land that is actually arable and is suitable for farming. But it's almost always the case that, or not that that's a lie, but it's very often the case that land which is used for animal husbandry is not suitable for crops. Because the crops themselves take so much nutrients from the soil and, and such, or for whatever reason. It's, it's normally got something to do with soil or the terrain, but those are the perfect places actually where animals can still thrive and where simple plants like grass can grow perfectly, but something more substantial like a vegetable crop cannot. And so the only way that people can effectively use that land 
is in fact by having animals live there and or graze there instead of trying to grow something like corn. So a, a, a very simple ex- example of this is goats and more and like ibexes, which can perfectly well and very happily live on very rocky terrain where and stepped terrain and such because the terrain itself is too difficult for people to actually get something like a combine harvester to harvest any kind of crop that they could attempt to grow there but even attempting to grow the crop there would be unsuitable at scale because there's so much rock and oftentimes it's like bedrock that's interspersed in those on that terrain and i mean imagine something like a 60 degree incline up a mountainside which i mean have you have you seen goats before they they climb trees and stuff man it's ridiculous <laughs> I, f- I feel like you're going off topic no, of what you're discussing they it's related basically what i'm saying is that the 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 maximal amount of land that we can use for crops we are already using for crops so if we reduce the amount of protein or animal husbandry uh, the land that's used for that then there will instead be a vacuum inside the food reserves that humans have at our disposal instead of increasing the amount of crop yield. And people also make the argument that a lot of the crops that are being made are actually feeding the the animals. But that is lit- a lot of like ninety percent of that is literally the chaff. Like you hear of s- separating the wheat the, the the wheat from the chaff. All of the husks and stuff that come from manufacturing crops go towards feeding the animals. And literally the reason why that is happening is because we can't utilize those things. So it's it's not it's not animal husbandry's fault that like forty percent of what we can get from crops we can't eat. So it makes sense that we feed those to animals and Yeah, well I think that's I think that's where the listener needs to make the decision of whose side provide the better document as of what they think is going to be the future of the food. Unfortunately, guys, we and listeners, we are running short of time. <laughs> it's quite a long episode. So what do you guys think? Do you think Jotun provides a better point of view? Or do you think Mackie has a better point of view? Obviously, you choose Mackie. But guys, this is what the whole podcast is all about. You're hearing my point of view. You're hearing his point of view. And at the end of the day, you guys make the decision of who you think is the, has the better decision. Again, leave comments in the YouTube, join our Discord or other social medias and talk to us directly. And we might have a, we'll have a little polls that we will have a little voting systems that you guys can decide on who provide the better topic and better, uh, who provide the better future of the foods. And please. Please don't forget that we will be starting a separate playlist for each episode where we let you guys decide on a topic related to what we talked about inside this bigger episode, and we will discuss that instead. So for this episode now, it's going to be, how do you think the future of food will develop and we will select our favorite of that panoply that you guys will surely create for us and we will discuss that for a much shorter episode 10 to 15 minutes because we also like to you know we can't think of everything but that's why we outsource our brain power to you guys so yeah comment as well on how you think food will develop Something short, like I, for example, said 
for the one that I eventually chose, eating weirder and weirder things in pursuit of purer macros. So, nice short little spiffy title like that, and we'll have a, a ramble about that. A shorter ramble. But yeah, hope you guys enjoyed our little ramble, and we hope to hear from you guys, or we hope to have you guys listen to our next podcast. Uh, we plan to do a podcast every Thursday, and please join our discords and Twitters to see the latest announcements and notifications. So you always keep up to date when we make an announcement. Maybe we get to a stage where we might post an, an additional episode a week. But at the moment, we're going to keep consistent every Thursday. And the time will be <laughs> the time that we have officially decided to post that will come out on our Discord and Twitters. Thanks very much for everyone. and To be decided. <laughs> and we hope to hear you guys join our next podcast. Goodbye. Thank you.